DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. Steve, good morning. Good morning, fellas. Well, Steve, I guess the first question is, how surprised are you that down 0-2, the Bucks find themselves up 3-2? Well, at the time, if you asked me that a week ago or two, I, I'd probably uh, be pretty fearful. But I think we've had enough conversations about this that, uh, and just kind of watching it unfold. Yeah, it always surprises you when somebody gets down 2-0. But uh, when, when you look at the competitiveness of the Bucks and their depth and their strength and their ability to defend, they found ways. And it's kind of interesting. Through, through it all, we're 3-2. We're going – back to Milwaukee to see if they can close it out or go back to Arizona. In my mind, there's really been two possessions that changed everything. One was an unbelievable block by Giannis late in the game that looked like an apparent dunk for, for Aiton, and, uh, and, and it would have been probably the Suns winning. And then the, the huge steal with Holiday on uh, uh, right, right at the end of the game where uh, it, it wasn't like he turned it over, Booker turned it over. He just he, he just stole it from him. And those two possessions really have dictated where this series is. I mean, you go back, those things don't happen, it's probably the sun's up. So that's how close these teams have been and how competitive the games have been. And it's, it's been fun to watch. Do you believe that shooting is contagious? And so if one guy gets hot, another guy gets hot and so forth? Oh, yeah. A- absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it. Shooting is obviously the tech, the technical part of shooting and all the things that go with it, but it's no different than uh, making a putt on a golf course. I mean, once you see the ball go in, if for whatever reason, it relaxes you, uh, even when you watch a teammate start shooting it. And shooting is so mental. And, I mean, yeah, you, you can't just have a broke shot and, and expect to make baskets, but these guys are pros, and they're all pretty good shooters. And the bigs aren't as, as good a shooters as the perimeter players. But, but at the end of the day, uh, when you start seeing that ball go through and your teammates start seeing it go through, it, it impacts everybody. And so there is a lot to be said about the mental part of shooting, uh, which is almost, if, if not, maybe more important than the physical part. Because I've seen guys that aren't great shooters, technically, but start making baskets, and that basket looks as big as the ocean. And I know as a player and even as a coach, I always tried to get guys in positions where they could see the ball go through early, maybe running a quick hit or doing something, even making a layup just early in the game where you watch it go through and mentally and emotionally you get confident that way. And uh, that's a huge part about being a consistent scorer and a shooter and winning big games when that basket looks really big. I'm sure you've been aware of this for a long time, but PK has a unique ability to be both annoying and entertaining at the very same moment. I, I like to think of yeah. lovable. <laughs> okay. I, I, yeah, I've seen that side of him. <laughs> okay. So he always has this recency bias for whatever happened is just the greatest thing. And that was a great play by Giroux Holiday. But to say it's the greatest play in finals history – uh, defensive play. Defensive play in finals history. We can recount a few others. But I'm wondering how much you think that uh, P.J. Tucker gets overlooked, his ability to stay in front of Booker so that Booker – and Giannis was there looming for the block. So Booker's got to spin around and surprise, you know, there's Drew Holiday. But I think the bigger point in all of that is Holiday can be there because a lot of teams are told, hey, you got to stay with a three-point shooter. But the Suns are – Man, when Booker gets on a roll, he is very ball-dominant. 
Has that got to change? Have you got to share the ball a little better than that so the whole defense doesn't collapse in on you in the paint in that moment? Well, what happens is when you become real ball dominant like that, uh, you, you know, you're you're in a situation where every shot's contested. P.J. Tucker, regardless of who's guarding Booker, if Holiday's guarding Booker or P.J. Tucker's guarding Booker, for the most part, they're they're going to contest every shot, and 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 usually that you go to the well that many times. At some point in time, late in game, sometimes it dries up, and because because you do get a, a little bit tighter, and and mentally and emotionally, you know what's on the line, and you're trying to make a play. But I, I'd go back to P.J. Tucker. And this guy is like a junkyard dog. I mean, he defensively is there everywhere. And if anybody, I mean, the most inspirational player on both these teams is P.J. Tucker. And, and, and he does so many things, like you said, that never go on the stat sheets, that never people really talk about. But I would just love to see like 100 clips of this guy guarding people, uh, blocking out, diving on the floor for loose balls, You've got to have people like that in, 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 on, a, on a championship team, and he's willing to do that. And uh, it, it's it's been the X factor for Milwaukee. I mean, at the end of the, you can tell me why well, he went for you know, uh, Booker goes for forty, and you're you're going to say you know what though he had to earn every one of those. I mean, it's kind of like everything's contested. There's a body on a body, and. Uh, the, if Tucker's not playing for them and they've got somebody else playing, I'm telling you right now that that the Suns win this series. And I, and I know that he's not one of the superstars, but he is a glue guy. And uh, he he just got so much energy, and the guys feed off of that. And I don't know who – I mean, you got to say Giannis is the leader of the team. He's positive and all those kinds of things. But the inspirational leader of this team is P.J. Tucker. And I don't know anything about their club or who talks in the huddles or in the locker room. But this guy, you want this guy on your team. Do you start thinking about putting on to come on the line intentionally? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you continue to do that. Uh, I mean, especially in late game situations. Uh, I mean, he's made enough. I mean, you, you start looking at his statistics, and and uh, you know, he started off seven for twelve, I think, and then he goes for eleven for eighteen. You know, there's always going to be eight or ten misses, but. He seems a little more relaxed. He's, he's shooting it a little bit quicker. and But, he, you know, the other night he misses three in a row, which if, if they lose that game, you look back and, and Giannis is uh, – he's not getting the attention he got on that amazing dunk and all the other good things he did. So, missed free throws at inopportune times can take a lot of that glitter and glow away from what was a great performance. He had 32 points, nine rebounds. But missing three free throws in a row – uh, he he kind of got saved there by a big-time steal, and then he got the dunk, and it, everybody forgets about the three free throws that put the Suns in a position to win the game. But that's that's basketball, and he's going to have to continue to get better at that. But I like it when he doesn't shoot. I mean, he doesn't need to shoot jump shots. He doesn't need to shoot threes. He can find a way to score 25 or 30 points without taking those shots because when he misses, it's a long rebound, and it's usually the Suns going the other way fast and quick and attacking the rim. So you think the Bucks now are going to do this, or you think saying that is as crazy as saying the Suns are going to do it when they're up 2-0? You're not over the finish line until you're over the finish line. Yeah, yeah I, absolutely, you're not over the finish line. And I, I'm, I'm thinking at home, you know, that they can do this, but the Suns are going to be completely relaxed, and they got they're up, they're back. You know, they're, they're just – I just watch teams that are down, and we've seen it in this series, we've seen it in other series, where uh, you can't get comfortable – you can't get complacent, 
I can't imagine the Bucks doing that. I, I, I would pick the Bucks just because it is at home and there's so much on the line. But if you tell me that the Suns, I mean, the, here's the deal: that it, if the Bucks don't win, then I, I gotta believe the Suns finish them off at home. And, and, and you know, you look at that last game that they played at the Suns. The Suns shot 55% from the field, 68% from the three-point line, and, and lost the game. Mm-hmm. So it just came down to a possession or two. And uh, and that was a night that Giannis had 32, Middleton 29, and Holiday 27. I don't know if they can replicate that again in Phoenix. So their best chance to win is tonight uh, because I think if it goes, if it goes seven, uh, the Suns are more likely to shoot the ball better in their building and the Bucks aren't. So, yeah, I, I picked the Bucks tonight, and uh, but uh, I, I would bet the house on the Suns if it goes seven. NBA draft's coming up next week, and most predictions and prognostications that I've seen have this Cunningham kid from Oklahoma State going number one. Two is looking like it's up for debate right now. you got three guys in the mix, Mobley out of SC, then you got a couple of Jalens, uh, Suggs, who played at Gonzaga, whom I personally love, and that's probably because I've seen him play a number of times. And then you got a kid, Jalen Green, up your way. He grew up playing uh, basketball in Fresno. I think he moved there oh, second or third grade. I was wondering if you know anything about him. Yeah, I've, I've watched Jalen play uh, uh, as a junior. As a senior, obviously he didn't play, but as a junior I watched him play. He played at San Joaquin Memorial High School, which is a private school in, in, in the city. And uh, he, he, is, uh, he is so gifted. And he's one of those guys sometimes you watch and you're going, well, he's not really playing hard, you know. And, and, but, I mean, everything that he does in terms of his understanding of the game, and you, and you know in a high school game how guys can make that game look ugly. Coaches can make it look ugly. They can throw three guys at him. They can do a variety of things because other players in a high school program can't score. So you're not going to judge him on how he played in high school because he always had two or three people guarding him. But he, he, had, he is a gifted shooter. He's good with the ball. You know, he's going to get bigger. and He's a little bit like Paul. He's really skinny and, 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 and you know, he doesn't carry a lot of weight, but really gifted. It's kind of an interesting story. Uh, so, Jalen, you know, you have connections and friends, and, and Jalen's always playing somewhere looking for a place. Well, during COVID, every single uh, school, you know, AAU facility, uh, any gym in the, in the nobody you couldn't get into them. everything was locked up except for the alluvial building that's <laughs> the church over in fresno in 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 middle of fresno and so i have a buddy that is uh he, he goes to that ward he's got keys to the ward and he's telling me he says yeah we got jalen in there working out and, and the guys are playing i said you're in covid i'm pretty sure that the, <laughs> the church folks don't know anything about that either we can talk about it now. But he spent a lot of time on uh, that alluvial chapel building knocking shots down and playing with a few of his buddies. So it was kind of a uh, – I guess Fresno can take a little bit of credit for his development during sure. COVID because that's where he went and shot. So kind of interesting stuff. But it's hard not to like the kid. He's a great kid. He's already given back in the community. Uh, what, what's the kid's name? He's not coming to me. What's the kid's name that played at Baylor that is a great defender? You remember him? Uh, when? Uh, that just played, like, he just played for Baylor when they won the national championship. His name escapes me, but I, he's another kid that uh, uh, I, I really like for the draft. 
and and I know the other guys are kind of well known. Cunningham, Mobley, you know, is yeah. we know them. But I, I can't. I'll have, I can't. I'm sorry, I bring it up, and then I can't remember his name. But uh, he, he's a guy I really looked at too. I mean, he was one of the best collegiate defenders I've ever seen for Baylor, and just as athletic as they can. And uh, we'll all think his name about his name. But he's another guy that I think that might be the best defender in the draft. And a guy, you know, he may not be a lottery, but he uh, he's a guy I would be want to have on my team as well. He's a PJ Tucker. You know, uh, but he's probably the, you know, 5.0 version of him. He, he's just really athletic. And uh, I watched him the other night. They were doing some clips, and I apologize for not knowing who he is. Is it Jared? Are you talking? Him. Are you talking Jared Butler? Yeah, that, that could be it. Yeah, Davion Mitchell. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. I just, I just know that I can't remember. Yeah, That's it's, I, think it's, I think it's Davion Mitchell. Uh, he's small though. He's only six one. Uh, I'm looking at yeah. a mock draft right now, and they're looking at what him. They going, him at? Uh, seven to the Warriors. Who knows? If the, obviously, we don't know if the Warriors are yeah. going to take that pick because right. there's been rumors of you know maybe uh, trading out to get veterans to try to win now with Curry and Thompson coming back next year and Draymond Green getting older. So I don't know that the Warriors will keep that pick, but nevertheless, the Warriors right now are slated to draft seventh, and Mitchell yeah. uh, Mitchell's there was their guy uh, a little older at 22. But uh, right. they, and they list yeah, him. I mean, I, they list him as a lockdown defender at the college level. Yeah, he was. He was, and I, I just felt like uh, I, I hadn't seen anybody really defend at that level in a long time collegiately. And uh, but you, you're right. I mean, people are gonna. You're usually gonna go for a guy that has a high ceiling offensively, can score it, and and, and a guy that's a little bit bigger than. That. Is Suggs about six four? How big is Suggs? Yes, and I I absolutely love him. I mean, yeah, I, 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 too. I think he's going to be the best Gonzaga player that Mark Few has had, knowing that he's had a bunch. And they they list uh, Suggs at six five, and and I think at only twenty years of age, and we do go with the upside and all that. I just think this kid's going to be a stud at the NBA level. Yeah, I I, I agree with you, and and not just because he hit a big shot there. You watch him, man. He is a jet. And, and he's got so many different speeds, and he can create space to get a shot off. Yeah, he's a special kid, and he is young. And uh, I, w- I would absolutely agree with you. Fun to watch, and he'll he'll have he'll he'll make an impact really early in his NBA career wherever he goes. And uh, and you you know, it would be interesting. You'd have two pretty small guards for Gold State, but boy, both of them would be pretty lethal. And uh, hey, what do you all hear with Damon Lillard? Uh, you have probably some inside stuff there. Do you, do you think that he's leaving and that he would actually go to a place like Golden State or, uh, I, you know, he's from Oakland? What, what do you hear up there on him? Well, here all you hear is jazz fans who are Wildcat fans who want him to come back to Utah. Uh, yes, he has Utah ties and liked his time, time here. Obviously, he's got Oakland ties, but he makes a lot of money. Yeah, he does. So you got to give up a lot, and you know who does it really make sense for? I also think that I don't think Portland really wants to trade him, so I think he's going to have to make a big stink, and I don't know that he wants to make a big stink, at least not yet. Yeah. yeah. Now, in another year, he might, or in two years, he might. Uh, you don't. I don't think you have to be. I think if James Harden taught us anything, it's you don't have to be as cl- and maybe Anthony Davis too. I'm probably leaving somebody else out. You don't have to be as close to the end of your contract as you used to be to make a big stink and go. But if you've got three or four years on your deal, it seems a little early, and he doesn't seem to want to be the villain. 
Some people don't right. seem to mind. I don't think he wants to be, but you know, I don't know him personally, so you know, that's just yeah. what I see from watching him from a distance. Yeah, the, you're right though. The precedent's been set to to leave a contract and do those things at times people never used to do it. So um, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But this this is going to be a good draft, and uh, it's kind of fun to kind of be up close and. I don't know Jalen personally. I mean, I've met him once, but I, I don't really know him. But it's fun to watch his development here, and uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with him down the road. And because uh, he's 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 gifted, got good size, and he's going to get much stronger. But he's a very very special talent. So, what do you think about this thing as far as going to uh, not going to college, going in and getting that money that he got for that G League thing and playing there? Uh, at least until the, I think they should change the rule and you should be able to go whenever you want to go if you want to go out of high school rather than that one-year deal that they've got going on as far as as long as – assuming that they keep this rule for however long they keep it, about doing that as opposed to going to college. Well, I, I have a couple thoughts on this. One, I have – there are such – there's just such great experiences at the collegiate level and at every level – just in terms of your own maturity developing and, and not, not, I'm not talking about basketball development, just having friends and being away from home and kind of growing up in that setting for special players. I think it's the best thing they've ever done. If you look at the NBA today, I mean, it's never been better at, at all levels uh, from the money they're making from the, from the product that we watch to how players take much better care of themselves and they are making better decisions. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that you've got mentors in that league and you've got coaches who are mentors, you've got coaches who have played, you've got teammates, and everybody's pretty self-conscious of the fact that there was a time in this league where guys were going around doing some really dumb things and really uh, deterred from the league, and it was kind of a black eye for the league. And you don't see that right now. You know I mean, And I think the idea that you can go in and that a young man can be prepared uh, financially, that he can learn about what an agent does, and he can learn about a guy that's going to handle his finances, that he can learn about in terms of being a better person and uh, working on his mental approach to the game. I mean, they have so much contact, and there's so many people that can influence them for good to prepare them for this experience that they're going to have the next 15 or 20 years. I, I love that. I think it's a really positive thing. I think it makes the product better. I think it gives a young man an opportunity to not blow $20 million away on things. They can talk to them about investing, they, you know, who's important in your life. Make sure that you're careful about people who you, you associate with because there are some folks out there that will take advantage of young people, and we saw that happen over the years with NBA players. So I, I love that, uh, that, that, in, that entire organization of how you set that up. I love it. I, I, I think there's nothing but a win-win for for the young men, not to say that there isn't great situations that come from playing collegiately. I do believe they ought to be able to go immediately and jump into this. But uh, I, I like that year. It's just a year in training mentally, physically, emotionally, psychologically. Uh, it just better prepares them to have a positive experience. I mean, ultimately, they got to play well. But there's a lot of, there are a lot of guys in this league who were very talented that lost all their money, uh, made decisions, had the wrong agents, had the wrong guys handling their money. And, and as, they, as they look back, you know, that those are sad stories, but it shouldn't be that way. So I love the education that the NBA is providing for these young men, like Jalen Green, who, who would have been a great college player. 
you know, but he wouldn't have learned nearly as much as he has the last six or seven months. And he got a chance also to play at a pretty high level in the G League stuff and not, not like a college environment. I mean, it, it's not the same. And, and there's something special about that. But for these really special guys, uh, I, I think it's a win-win for everybody. So as you watch the U.S. men's Olympic team uh, prepare with a couple losses and then a couple wins, how much stock do you put in this? How confident are you they can win the gold medal? What do you think? You know, uh, I've, I've only watched a little bit of it. I actually watched the game where they played better and they beat Spain. I didn't see anything else. Uh, I, 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 you know, not ever, obviously this is a year where not all the big names are playing, but certainly enough. Uh, I don't know. There's enough doubt in my mind in these preseason games. I still got to believe that the United States wins this thing. Uh, I was a little surprised with the guys. I, and I don't know the the one player from San Antonio that I picked. I've never seen him play. He seems to be playing pretty well. Uh, you know, I just don't know if they have enough size and the girth that, that they, they play at in, in those international games. And if anything, just getting worn down. Now, maybe they're good enough. They can score it enough. But if they get in real close games and where there's different rules at the rim for defenders, uh, that's the only thing that scares me. Do they have enough size and girth to, to go through and win four or five or six games and win a gold medal? They're certainly talented enough, and they can make shots, but they're going to have to defend. And you got a great guy. I mean, Pop is as good as they get. He's, you know, he's, he's been there in that Olympic environment for a long time, so he knows what he's up against. I'm not, I don't think it's a coaching issue. I just wonder if they've got enough bigs and guys inside to pound. Because that, that game is really physical, much more, much more physical than the NBA, and it's very physical at the rim. Steve, as always, thanks for the time. Thanks for coming on. We will talk to you again next week. We'll have an NBA champion by then. Yeah, we will. That'll be nice. All right, guys. Have a good week.